0: Welcome back into Viking 360. Rube, uh, this week you had a great idea about kind of spotlighting some uh, ladies teams and some boys teams that made, uh, made it into the state tournament. Uh, we have some interviews with those folks. Uh, I think everyone's going to really enjoy it. A lot of uh, neat moments uh, that were talked about in this week's episode from a basketball perspective.
1: You know, Brian, it's called uh, March Madness, but we're going to have a little January madness here because we have a little lull time here while we're waiting for the winter sports uh, to become uh, in full gear. So we thought it would be fun to go back and, and talk to those some of the uh, most exciting times in Ripley High um, Viking
0: and Lady Viking basketball, the, the state tournament trips. Yeah, I, I had a chance to, to chat with uh, longtime Viking, uh, Lady Viking head coach Steve Hunt, the all-time winningest uh, coach in, on the ladies' side at Ripley High School. Uh, he was uh, at the helm from 2000 to 2010. He averaged uh, upwards of 15 wins a year as the head coach, and then also had a chance to uh, chat with uh, one of the most decorated ladies' players at Ripley High School, Kara Cohen. Now, you'll know her as Kara Waybright. Uh, what a career she had as she went on to, to play at Fairmont State as well uh, for this week's episode. Rube, what, who did you, uh, you get in there? We talked with Todd
1: Thompson. He was on that 1996 uh, Ripley basketball team, the the only Viking basketball team to qualify for the state tournament. But they had won, uh, they had had back to back winning seasons for the first time in a long time, back to back sectional championships. They won a regional championship, and they got a taste of the big time when they took the floor against the Fairmont Senior Polar Bears. On the podcast, Todd, good to, good to hear your voice again. Well, great to hear your voice and appreciate the opportunity to, to talk to you today. Let's start out, Todd, by talking about uh, that uh, amazing atmosphere that uh, we witnessed down at the Charleston Civic Center. Uh, You're exactly right. I mean, Ripley, for years, has been
2: known as a community position between Charleston and Parkersburg, but, but arguably has drawn a crowd much larger than a lot of those schools in those areas. And it was no different when we went to the state tournament back uh, in 1996. You know, the first time we'd ever done that. And, you know, the Ripley delegation came out in in full force and and filled the Civic Center, you know, for that first-round basketball game. And it always makes me proud as I look on on TV these days and and still see the support that just the community brings in Ripley
1: for, for any of the sporting events. And Todd, we uh, drew a, a tough assignment in round one. Uh, the Fairmont, uh, Fairmont Senior Polar Bears, and uh, they were a powerhouse at the time, and, uh, and uh, they pretty much controlled everything for uh, the first uh, two-and-a-half quarters of the ball game.
2: You know, they really did. Um, you know, we were a team coming through that season in Ripley that we kind of played enough, tempo type of a game all season. We put up some big points, you know, throughout the year against some of the teams we played, which was really unique for some of the Ripley teams up to that point that I had seen and heard about. And when we got the Fairmont Senior, the strategy was like, okay guys, we, we know that we can run a little bit, but I don't know if we can run, you know, the way that, that Fairmont Senior team did. So we took a very conservative approach Whenever we first started that basketball game, they pressed us. We kind of worked the ball back and forth, but we really never took it into attack mode to where we were trying to you know, to score. And there was a point in that game where I think the light switch went on for the coaching staff with Coach Anderson and Coach Skeen, and us as players is like, hey, we have been running and we can run, and boy, did we see a difference in that game when all of a sudden we, we flipped that switch on.
1: And, Todd, you played a, a key role in that game, especially in the third and fourth quarters, and that's when things really started to turn around.
2: You know, that was really exciting. I appreciate you saying that. I, I had a very unique role in that team all year long. I had uh, John Kennedy, which is one of my teammates, and, you know, the girls coach, in Ripley to this day. He got injured earlier in the year, so I was thrust into kind of a point guard position. I uh, really was kind of that sixth man on the team, and then I came back in, into the role to where John would help me for the tournament run, and next thing you know, I'm filling in that gap as the sixth man on that team and, and coming in and playing a lot in that third and fourth quarter, and it, boy, did it, it got fun uh, when we started making that comeback.
1: And uh, it was uh, one of the most amazing, probably two-minute stretch of Viking basketball, and we're going to hear that uh, later on here in the podcast. But uh, what a thrilling moment as Ripley cut that uh, lead from 12 points down to two points, and they did it very quickly.
2: You know, I, I still have vivid memories and, and feelings about that. I had the opportunity to be on the court for for that moment, and. If you've ever been to a state tournament, there's game after game, and you sit there and you watch. And you have moments that you watch teams come through, and, and people, you know, get some excitement. And we really had played about ten to twelve points behind that entire game, and we were kind of feeling our way out. And we, we cut it within two. And I remember going back and watching the video of this game because you can watch the entire arena from Ripley fans to just casual fans just continue to build that momentum and. Up in front of the, some of the camera views as I look back at some of the videos, because they got excited about this new young team from Ripley watching that comeback, and then also talking about the feeling aspect. I can remember when we cut it to two points, and I was then we were then pressing them, and I was up on the basketball. That was my role at that point in time in the game, and I still can remember to this day that the noise of the crowd and how excited they were and the hair on the back of my neck standing up. And I had never experienced anything like that to, to any point in my life. Through all the excitement of the great Ripley crowd... That was a moment i 'll never
1: forget well they uh, we got within two and then we could not uh, get any closer down the stretch and they ended up uh, winning by a three point margin, but this fairmont senior team they went on to defeat uh, Beckley, I believe it was in the second round, and then they they faced one of their rivals, uh, Robert C. Byrd, in the championship and and they won the whole thing.
2: You know, it's funny how that plays out, and you, you look at those moments, that what if one more basket would have turned our way, and next thing you know, we're in that same position, playing Beckley and having a chance to upset them and, and move on. I still hold that memory just near to my heart, and, and I have a baby brother who was very successful, you know, at Ripley as well, in the baseball world, and Kevin Thompson had a great basketball career. We often talk, Rube, that for me personally, as a senior... And being one of the seven players that, you know, that that got an opportunity to play in that game, that was my state championship moment. Did we win a state championship? No. Did we move on? No. Kevin's state championship came in the baseball realm the following year as the first state champion in 1997. But for me, that was a lot of fun.
1: And Todd, I know uh, basketball has been an important part uh, of your family, and it still is. Uh, Briefly, tell us uh, how basketball is involved with the Thompson family.
2: Uh, Yeah, I have three children. I have uh, Carson, who is 15 years old, and will be a sophomore at Cavill Mill High School, and you know, if, if the season ever takes off through this you know, coronavirus in 2021 uh, that we're all living in right now, hopefully he gets a chance to play. I have a daughter who's an eighth grader uh, at Milton Middle School, and she's the captain of her eighth grade team this year. And then I have a, a younger daughter named Maya, and she is in fourth grade, and she currently plays on on a travel team, and she plays within our Milton uh, basketball league, which is a big part of our community and and all three of my
1: kids have been a part of that here in Hilton. That's great. Todd, good to talk with you.
2: Good to talk to you too, Ru. Thank
1: you for the opportunity.
3: At the free throw line, shooting the one and one, and he bangs it off. No good. Ripley with the rebound, down by nine, 2.45 to play. Up high, Vanessa's going to try a three straight away. Got it. Six point game as Vanessa. Scores second three-pointer. Full-court pressure by Ripley. Roland jump pass gets it to Miles. Miles down the lane flips it to Kent. He dunks it down. They broke that press. Picture perfect. Eight points. Fairmont senior lead. Two twenty and counting. Vanessa three-pointer. Left corner on the way. Air ball underneath. though. Fisher follows it up and in. Nineteen for Fisher. Steal in the backcourt. Ripley off the pressure. Jimmy Knight with it. Passes underneath to Vanessa. He lays it up and in. It's 58 to 54. Fairmont's lead down to four. 2.05 to cut play. Roland with the ball. It's tossed around. Ripley with the steal in the backcourt again. They get it to Vanessa. He lays it up and in. It's 58. To 56. Timeout is taken. A Ripley player, John Kennedy, is injured. Kennedy went flying into the press table after a loose ball, and he has injured his right side. They will call time with one minute and 54 seconds to play. Kennedy is shaken up. A series of turnovers as a result of Ripley's full-court pressure has allowed them to cut the deficit down to two points with one minute and 54 seconds remaining in this fourth quarter.
1: 1996 was a... Quite a year for uh, Ripley basketball fans, and the man we're talking to now played a big role in that. Uh, and that's Coach John Kennedy. Uh, John, thanks for joining us on the podcast.
4: Yeah, I appreciate you having on here, bro. Thank you.
1: And that uh, that team in 1996, it had a, a winning season, but not a great regular season. But got pretty hot at uh, tournament time. You won your last game of the regular season with a 10-point a, a win over Polka and then destroyed uh, Roan County in the sectional and Point Pleasant in the regional and then uh, went to Charleston and took on a, a very talented team from, from Fairmont Senior and the Polar Bears would eventually uh, win the whole thing.
4: Yeah, that, uh, you know, as a player and as a coach, you uh, you want to get hot there towards the end of the season. And we'd had our ups and downs that year. Uh, won some games that we probably shouldn't have had. Uh, lost some games that we probably should have won. But uh, we were pretty competitive that year. And, uh, you know, it just seemed the, the all the stars were aligning for us that season. And, you know, we had one thing that was special uh, about that team is uh, all of us grew up playing Baseball, football, basketball, going to each other's houses—you know, pick, playing, picked up games at the park. I mean, it was a truly special team because we all got along together. There wasn't any any issues with you know that we knew about. Um, as a coach, now you know, looking back, well, I'm sure the coach A and Coach Keynes had to put up with some issues from parents, but uh, uh, well, we didn't have any of that, and the feeling that you get when you win that regional game and you know that you're going to the Civic Center is uh, uh, I got chill bumps just thinking about it it is a dream come true it really is
1: and that was Ripley's first ever appearance at the state basketball tournament And when you go down there and you're playing Fairmont senior as we mentioned and they obviously a very talented team and uh, they took the lead uh, relatively early in that game and led by 10-12 points for the majority of that game. And then about midway through uh, the fourth quarter, um, the Vikings Picked up the tempo and started to make a pretty dramatic run at the polar bears.
4: Yeah, uh, it just seemed like you know, Fairmont senior. Uh, they were led by Corey Bridges and Rashad Kent, who both went on to play. Um, you know, as you know, sophomores with with Russell and Jimmy, and then juniors with me and Dennis and Justin in the starting lineup. I mean, it's just like you're going out there and you're playing and uh, fighting like a a Super Bowl uh, kind of atmosphere, you know, that like in the NCAA tournament. You know, you're, you're walking through the the hallways there uh, at the state tournament, going, you know, back to the locker rooms, and then when you're waiting to take the floor, it's just uh, it's just unreal. And then you know, we we kept battling. Uh, after Fairmont jumped out on us, you know, they take 10, 12 point lead. And then I believe at one time, they even stretched that thing up there to about 20, 22 points on us. And, uh, coach, a, uh, told a time out there and, you know, really got on us and said, you know, I don't care what happens, but you, you know, you guys need to leave Everything you've got out here. And he said that we were going to start pressing. And, you know, it lit a fire under us. And, you know, we went out and, we left everything we had on the court. That's for sure. And I think we had it down. I think I had the possession with a couple seconds to go, and shot about a thirty footer off the front iron. And you just you just your heart breaks. But you know, those days were extremely fun, and those memories of playing with, with my friends it, no one no one can take that away from. Us.
1: It was quite an experience uh, for the Vikings and for the Viking uh, basketball nation. And speaking of Viking basketball and Lady Viking basketball, Coach, uh, it has been a weird uh, preseason for your Lady Viking basketball program. Just tell us uh, where we stand uh, now with the latest uh, release by the the state regulations. We're
4: going to get fired up, uh, hopefully, on February the 15th. Um, we've got, uh, let me pull up my calendar here real quick. Um, we start on the 15th and seven days, according to the SSAC, we've got a scrimmage against Riverside and then that weekend against St. Mary's and then we tip off at Lincoln County, uh, on March the 3rd. So, you know, we've got about two and a half weeks and we're going to be right into season. And they didn't give us a lot of time to get a season in, but I'm thankful that uh, we do have the opportunity, and especially for the girls and all the student-athletes, to get get a winter season in, even though it's been pushed back twice. Um, They they put a maximum of 18 games on the regular season, and uh, Coach Parsons and I are sitting right around 14, 15 games right now um, but it's really tough. And, um, we've been talking to a lot of coaches across the state, you know, scheduling here in the, the past couple of days, and uh, most coaches are sitting around 15 games, and you know they're scratching their head trying to find another day or two to, to plug in a couple of games, and it's just extremely hard when you look at only two and a half weeks to get your girls uh, or boys into basketball shape, and then you start right into games when you'd have five or six weeks in a regular season. Uh, so, you know, you, you've got to weigh the odds of, you know, are is the safety more important for the kids? And that's where I'm kind of leaning because there's some weeks that you're playing three weeks, or I'm sorry, you're playing three games a week. And I know over the previous seven, eight years as being a head coach, those games just physically and mentally just exhaust you as, as an athlete. And it's tough to come back that following week. But at the same time, uh, I've tried to schedule as many sectional and regional opponents as possible. Um, That way, you know, we prepare our girls the best uh, to make a a postseason run. So it's going to be a difficult year uh, in that aspect. Uh, The girls are going to have to be extremely mentally tough this year. and they can't dwell on if they go out and they have a poor night because they're exhausted and they may drop one that they shouldn't. Uh, they just got to be resilient, and bounce back, and go out and play every game like it, like it's their last. And you know, in a season like this, there's a lot of truth to that because uh, with the map that's out there now, if you turn red, you're shut down. You you don't go to school, you don't practice, you don't play and that's going to throw a wrench in a lot of coaches and a lot of teams uh, this upcoming season.
1: And, John, we've, we've seen a lot of wrenches this year, haven't we? <laughs> <laughs>
4: yeah, just as soon as uh, we got going, we had four days into practice, and uh, at that time uh, we were orange, so uh, I had to number all the basketballs for the girls. Uh, they could do some dribbling. Uh, shooting. They couldn't pass. They couldn't rebound for others. Uh, did a lot of conditioning. I was very pleased with uh, their condition uh, that Coach Allen put them through there for four days. Um, and then you get shut down and then you're at a standstill and you think you're going to get back uh, after January and then it gets pushed back again. And, you know, it's, it is what it is. You, you can't have a negative outlook. About the situation, you're going to make the best out of it that you can, and remain positive throughout the whole situation.
1: Coach, uh, we'll be in touch with you as uh, the season gets closer.
4: I appreciate it, Drew. Thank you, thanks very much for uh, for having me on here. I appreciate it.
0: And, Rube, another former Viking standout that uh, is uh, doing great things at West Lib right now. We talked to his brother last week. This week you had a chance to chat with the senior, Chance Morgan. Yeah, he's having a great career uh,
1: up in the northern panhandle, both athletically and academically. Chance Morgan is our guest on Viking 360. He's a graduate of Ripley High School and a senior wrestler at West Liberty. And uh, Chance, thanks for being with us this evening.
5: Yeah, thanks for having me.
1: Chance, you uh, opened up the season in fine fashion uh, last weekend with uh, not only a pair of wins, but you uh, helped your team with 12 points in uh, picking up uh, a win against Glenville State and a a pin win against Alderson Broaddus.
5: Yeah, you know... um... Uh, First of all, I was just excited to go out there and compete. It's it's been a while, almost a year, so uh, just being able to go out there and compete was awesome. And our coaches always imply, you know, put as many points on the board as you can, and that's my that was my motive going out there. And you know, I saw the opportunity to pin both opponents, and I just took advantage of it.
1: Chance, what what is what are what is your forte when it comes to wrestling? What is it that you are best at as a wrestler?
5: Um, I think, you know, just getting into ties and um, getting two shots is something I'm good at. We call it hand fighting in wrestling, and that's pretty much where you just have to open up your opponent and you have to really get um, his his legs open up for those shots. And uh, in order to get takedowns, you know, hand fighting is really something that's, essential. So that's one of my big things I like to go to. I like to hand fight really hard with the guy. Uh, I like to open them up and just start from there and get as many takedowns as possible.
1: Chance, it uh, seemed like you really came into your own uh, during your junior season. Uh, not only picking up 14 wins, but uh, a runner-up finish in the conference tournament. Yeah,
5: so with that, I, I gotta give credit to my coaching staff. Coach Irwin came in last year and uh, we really connected over the summer even before my junior season started he uh, got to little, know a little bit about my wrestling and you know how how I operated so that was very good going into uh, the season and then as the season progressed you know we kept working together and he kept um, finding little little things that could add on to my wrestling and um, a lot of that led up to from the coaching staff and I can't thank them enough for it and you know, I'm just excited to keep going with those guys because they're all awesome.
1: Chance, it seems like West Liberty Wrestling is always at the top of the heap when it comes to Mountain East Conference Wrestling. What is it about the Hilltopper Program that makes it so successful?
5: Um, honestly, you know, it's just the will and the drive from our coaching staff. Every day we treat it like it's a new opportunity. You know, you go into the wrestling room and we have fun. We, we flow. Um, you know, it's not always work. It's it's fun. There's games. It's good competition. And I'm just surrounded with great teammates who want to push me. And, you know, they're always in there willing to get better any time of the day. So, I think Westwood Wrestling is really just one big family. And once you join the Hilltop, you know, it's it's something that you can't turn away from. It's, it's definitely like a, a tight-knit group that's just wants to see continued success together.
1: And you'll be back in action uh, this Saturday, traveling to uh, Fairmont State. Uh, What can you tell us about the competition that you'll face uh, down at Fairmont?
5: Yeah, so Fairmont's a second-year program. Um, You know, they always have a a good group of guys. Last year, they they came in with some good guys, and I'm just excited to toe the line again with with the guys we have. Um, It's always exciting to compete and, you know, I'm just looking forward for more matches and uh, more mat time.
1: Chance, let's talk about the academic side. Uh, we talked about your wrestling performance last year, but you also uh, won some accolades when it came to the, uh, the academics. Tell us about that.
5: Um, I, I was on Dean's list, so uh, the spring semester if you, you get above uh, a 3.5, you make the Dean's list, and then this uh, previous season or previous semester, I uh, ended up with a 4.0. So that, that aspect also ties into wrestling. You know, our coaches are always checking in on us and they're always making sure, you know, uh, we're on top of our grades. And it's really just all about time management and how you, how you uh, manage school and academics throughout your day. And those little steps lead up to big successes in academics in my opinion.
1: With all of the, uh, stumbling blocks that we've faced through the COVID situation, it will serve as sort of a automatic redshirt year, uh, for the college athletes. And I understand that you plan to take advantage of that and remain on campus, uh, at West Liberty.
5: Right. So I've talked to uh, some of my advisors at West Liberty, and I think it would be best for me to, you know, take advantage of this COVID redshirt year, as they call it, and, uh, uh, I'm going to eventually apply for uh, grad school, and with that, I'll be uh, going after my MBA. So, in this upcoming semester, that's what I really want to focus in on. Um, there's a test that you have to take, so, you know, it's just going to take some, like I said, time management and some studying. And, um, you know, I'm just ready to keep the, group, uh, the momentum going with uh, academics and athletics here at West Liberty.
1: And also uh, academics and athletics. When it comes to your career, you talked about having a future in in the world of sports.
5: Right. So um, I am a sport management major. So it would be awesome. One of my dream jobs would be, you know, to be like a sport uh, agent or work in the athletic department of a. Uh, Division One, Division Two school. Um, I've got to know a little bit about those situations throughout college, and it's just really something that is a big interest of me. So I'm excited to continue that career path after athletics is over with.
1: Chance, congratulations on your two uh, season opening wins, and we wish you well in the, this Saturday's competition against the Falcons.
5: Thank you for having me.
0: And Rube, as we look back at uh, some of those really good uh, lady Viking teams, I had a chance to sit down and chat with uh, former viking uh, lady Viking head coach steve hunt and and talk about what a challenge they faced in his run at the state tournament
1: and in in two thousand and three, they took on uh, East Fairmont, whereas the guys played. Uh, Fairmont senior, they played East Fairmont and won that first round game and then uh, went on to play a very, very talented uh, South Charleston team in, in the semifinal round.
0: All right, welcome back inside Viking 360, joined now by uh, a gentleman that uh, we've had on here a few times now, one of the assistant coaches for the boys team. Uh, but, Coach, today we're going to talk about your tenure as a Lady Viking head coach. That's uh, Coach uh, Steve Hunt with me.
6: Coach, thanks for being with me today. It's a pleasure to always be, uh, to be able to talk to you.
0: Coach, uh, you're probably the most decorated head coach at Ripley High School. Uh, you were the ladies' biking coach for 10 years, 2000-2010, all-time uh, winner, uh, leading winner of the head coach at uh, Ripley High School with 146 or 45 wins, I believe. Mm-hmm. Um, but, man, it's almost been 11 years uh, since you were the head coach there. That, that doesn't seem
6: possible. Yes, it's. Uh, it just seems like yesterday, really. Uh, so going back to the 2003 team and even the, the, my first year, it just doesn't seem possible. It's been 20, 21 years ago. The thing, the thing about
0: you, Coach, um, that uh, we'll get into uh, some of your accomplishments here in a minute, but how hard you worked. Um, I was just really struck. Uh, I didn't know you that well uh, back during that time. I knew you a little bit, but... I was always observing from a distance how hard you worked on and off the floor, uh, through the summer bash stuff, through the, the uh, off-season. Uh, everything you did was focused on giving your girls the best opportunity to win, giving them the best uh, equipment, giving them the best uh, off-season programs. And it was a family affair. Megan was always involved, and you always had Jalen and, and Jameson with you uh, as young children. And, and to me, that was always such a really neat thing and a really cool story
6: yeah that was a one of the main reasons I took the girls job here was I was coaching at state and I'd been out there for um uh, eight nine years or so with the boys team out there and then Jamison was born and I just always remember to practice one of the players at state asked me he's like hey is Jamison doing this or doing that and he like crawling something And I'm just like you know I don't know yeah. you know I, I I'm not home enough so you know, I took this job to be home to so have more time, but and probably ended up spending more time. But we did make it a family fair. We went to Disney World a couple times, and Megan was basically my administrative assistant. I mean, a lot of things I couldn't, we couldn't have got a lot of things accomplished without what she did. And we traveled to team camps and shootouts and stuff all summers, and took the kids with us. And that's what Jameson, he's basically raised in a gym. But it was it was hard times, and a lot of you know, extra time, but it was fun time. You know, yeah. the girls were always great, and a lot most of the families and stuff that just got to deal with here locally and with our players. It was, it was a great time.
0: Coach, your girls played hard, uh, no matter what their record was. That was something always that stood out to me as well. But talk about those tournament teams um, and just how special they were, and and what a, a um, what a, a barricade you had to face. At the state tournament, when you got there, I mean, you you weren't just playing good teams; you were playing, in one occasion, a team that had two basically college all-Americans, one that won a couple of, of national championships at UConn.
6: Yeah, uh, at that time, girls' basketball in West Virginia and they're still really good players, but man, that was West Virginia was loaded with Division One players and big-time Division One players. I mean, girls Huntington was going to Purdue, which was a top ten team, in Maryland and. You know, the Montgomery and uh, Hornbuckle. Of course, we had to – probably one of my better teams was uh, played them my second year. We'd won 16 games and had to play them in the first round of the tournament. And thank God they moved to South Charleston the next year because uh, – but it was just unbelievable. You know, they, Tennessee and UConn, at that time, the two best teams in the country. And we're having to go through them to get to the state tournament. And then we did meet them in the state tournament. But uh, yeah, the I was – the one of the things I'm most proud of um was going to the state tournament, of course, those two years. But my first year coaching was my only losing season, and I didn't get the job till, uh it was late September, early October when I got the job, so I had no time to really work with them. And we ended up winning nine or ten games that year, but we never had another losing season after that. And to go through the MSAC, which was loaded and and, and stuff at that time, to be able to have – Average 14, 15 wins a game was quite an accomplishment to our girls. I mean, I was lucky enough that I had really good players, but uh, but they they worked hard. Because I remember going to a summer league game one time and watching, it seemed like Hurricane. They were athletic as all get out, but they weren't very good and stuff. But they were really athletic girls. And you could see, the. And I just told our girls we were sitting there before we were getting replayed. I'm just like, y'all watch them. And they kind of was like, oh, what do you mean? He's like, that's us. If we, if we don't play, or if we're not working. Right. It's like, but so they're like, yeah, you're right, and stuff. And just, I was lucky enough that I had girls that would come in and work and do what they had to do to be successful.
0: I think, coach, something that strikes me about, especially that team, you look at the pieces that fit together. You had uh, Carol Waybright, you had Mark Kessner, you had uh, uh, Allison Spiker, You you had several pieces. On that team that seemed to play well together, and girls, for the most part, they don't have the issues that guys have when they're playing. They don't have that ego issue of, of "Hey, this is, this is my show" or "This is what I do." Girls are much better team players, I <laughs> guess, than boys are in most cases. And that team really personified that. I thought
6: that was yeah. Girls, the my first year, uh, Richie Skeen basically talked me into taking a job, and I went from college guys to high school girls and that was a culture shock and there was a few times in my mind I was cussing Richie just like hey (laughs) what did you talk me into but then once I figured out how to change my way of thinking and coaching with girls that it was awesome like you said girls they would run through the wall for you uh, and they would just they didn't worry about stuff and uh, it took me a while too sometimes with girls sometimes when the game was over it was over and the just life goes on, but there was there's other. I mean, Kara Waybright was one that it was. She was like me. It dwelt with her when we would lose or whatever. But uh, but in a way that was that was kind of good. But uh, one of the things with girls I had to realize was you really had to build girls up. Yeah. I mean, you had to tell girls we're we're pretty good. Mm-hmm. You know, it took me a while because with guys, you got to tell them all the time, "Hey, you're not as good <laughs> as you think you are." It's just, uh, and from I don't and, mean that to be derogatory, well, but no, just that's, that's the what. Ego what thing, <laughs> yes, exactly. It yeah. is the girls, for the most part, don't have an ego. And it's like girls, we're pretty good. Y'all got to know that we're just as good as these other teams right. are, and stuff. But uh, I was, like I said, I was lucky, and Jeff Waybright helped me get things started. And a lot of times with the summers, because there was no three-week period then. We were yeah. not doing what we were supposed to be doing, but we were doing what we had to do to win.
0: <laughs> when you stepped away from being the head coach uh, to, to be a part of the staff that your son played on and be able to watch Jalen play, uh, what was it like for you as a head coach, a former head coach and an assistant coach, to, to be coaching your kids, uh, given all the success that you had had, to be able to take a little bit of a step back?
6: Yeah, that was a, definitely a different role. But uh, when I stepped over there with the boys with Coach Harmon, he let me get involved a lot and stuff. So it wasn't like I was just not part of it or whatever. But um, it, was, it was it was a great time coaching Jameson. Mm-hmm. And that's um, one reason I never took the, the head job with the boys was I wanted to, the time to watch Jalen too. You know, I didn't want to take away from her. But at the same time, I kind of regret sometimes not taking the job with Jameson. But it's still just in a small town like this, and not to be mean or whatever. But it's just kind of hard coaching your own kid yeah. and stuff with all you want to do. So I mean, and it it worked out good. I mean, Jameson had a great career. Uh, we had some really good teams here. Just as kind of like with the girls that we hit, we were in a tough, daggone region. We had probably one of the best teams that Ripley's had at the Triple A level. And just had to go through Beckley, who was like number two, number three team in the state, and and stuff. But it was, it was, you know, I've I've had a great career going from college to had a great time on West Virginia State, to the girls, and and then with Harmon and Evan, and stuff, and now with with Luke, and and Luke lets me get involved and and stuff. So it's 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 fun, even though you know I'm not a paid assistant anymore, but it's still fun being around it and being around the kids.
0: Well, Coach, thanks for what you have uh, done at Ripley High School, and uh, congratulations. I know your career's not over, but uh, you've had a great career, and, and we're we're thankful for the work that you put in uh, toward the, the ladies' uh, team and then also the guys' team and and just what you mean to the community. We appreciate the time.
6: I appreciate it. Just I, I wouldn't want to coach anywhere else. Ripley's been awesome. You know, the girls' team, like I said, the parents and some of the girls through there through the Cara Waybrights and Maras and Jackie Millers and Lana Sheets and Taylors I mean that was they were fun to coach and I know I've left out a lot of girls but there was you know, I was w- lucky to have girls that played and then even with the guys uh, my first year with the boys I got to coach Chase Fisher I mean and, and stuff so it's been I've had a great career here and hopefully I've got a few more years in me.
0: And, Rube, uh, to build off of uh, that run Coach Steve Hunt's team had, he had a sophomore point guard at the time, Kara Waybright. uh, That was a a key component to that team's success. She was, and
1: another uh, great basketball family. Her brother Cole played on the college level, and Kara went on to play at the college level. And uh, just a a fantastic basketball game and uh, a great basketball family.
0: All right, welcome back inside Viking 360, joined now by uh married name Kara Cohen, but uh, Viking fans are gonna remember her as Kara Waybright. Kara, thanks for being with me and taking the time.
7: Hey, thanks for having me. It's it's an honor and a pleasure.
0: Hey, so Rube and I, this is Rube's idea, but uh he wanted to relive some of the action at the Civic Center from both the boys and girls aspect of, of Viking basketball. And you uh, were a big part of that. I think it would be neat, uh, you know, if you could kind of go back through that time in history when you were a sophomore and kind of getting uh, your career kicked off and what a great career you had at Ripley High School. But it would be really neat to to hear your perspective on that. I know it's what, going on, what, 17 years now since we've been there?
7: Oh, wow. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. Um, So those were definitely the glory days. Um, (laughs) I think about it often and just kind of reliving a lot of those memories in in the past. But, but yeah, we had just an awesome group of girls um, that year. And really just um, when I reflect on that season, you know, obviously the goal, um, starting out early on, we always started talking about the civic center and that ultimately for every team, um, in high school sports, getting to the civic center was just, you know, obviously the goal from not even just the season, but even backing up into the summer, spending so many hours in the gym and team camps and, um, you know, summer leagues and fall leagues and things like that. So just a lot of preparation. We had a lot of returners that year. Um, we had a very strong senior class, um, junior class. So, uh, that season in general, you know, reflecting back on that was just a lot of highs. And so just approaching tournament time, um, we, we knew we had, um, a really good opportunity and, um, some really great strategy leading up to the tournament. So we ended up, I believe, defeating Capitol in the sectional and then meeting Parkersburg on their home court for the regional. Um, we ended up beating them uh, and then heading to Charleston. And so first round um, we ended up facing Fairmont East bees and um they they were a strong team. Of course, we'd never faced them in the regular season. They obviously being a northern team. Um, the one memory for me that unfortunately sticks out after you know a great season with no injuries is just a terrible terrible ankle sprain. And I oh man, if anybody were in that gym that day, I think the scream that I let out. I thought for sure that I had just snapped my ankle in half. And so I thought for sure tournament was over for me. Um, it was, it was awful. It was so upsetting. It was so defeating um, personally because, you know, you put so much time in and so much effort you get to that, that, it, you know, that end goal and uh, you feel like it, you're, you've essentially just kind of snuffed out that, that opportunity. So um I spent the next 36 hours in between games really that night, that night, that whole next day. And then the, the next, the prior, the previous day, um, or the following day, rather being game day, just getting treatment after treatment, after treatment, um, trying to at least get a few minutes because we were facing the favorite of the tournament being, uh, South Charleston. So, uh, you know, we get to that game and I basically have a cast on my foot. It's been taped up um, like a cast, essentially, to just maybe even try to get a few minutes on the floor. Um, of course, South Charleston that year, you've got Alexis Hornbuckle, who went to play at the University of Tennessee for the Lady Vols. You had, um, excuse me, Renee Montgomery, who then went on to play for the Yukon Huskies and won some national championships, um, both who played in the WNBA. So you can imagine uh, going into that game, uh, there was a lot of strategy. And um, what an exciting, exciting game that was. Um, gosh, the atmosphere. If you were in the Civic Center that day, wow, Um
0: yeah, really, you guys played them well, too. I mean, uh, it was the the score probably isn't indicative of, of how competitive that game was either.
7: No, it really wasn't because, you know, um, we wanted to slow the pace of the game down. So um, that was the number one strategy because they were obviously a kind of run and gun type of team because we had faced them earlier in the season. So we knew a lot about them we'd watched a lot of film and prepared for them um but we had one of the best charge takers <laughs> on our team um and that was mara Kestner. and really you know she was always willing to step in the gap and take a hit and that was just what she was known for she could flop like none other so of course we wanted to slow the pace of the game down And then ultimately, our next goal was to get Alexis Hornbuckle in foul trouble. And so um, and, you know, keep Renee at bay as well, because if we could slow her down, then that was really going to stop them in transition. And um, Alexis was a, a driver. So I think at halftime we had Alexis on the by halftime, we had her on the bench with three fouls. So we go in, we're like strategies working. And I think really at halftime, it was very close. Like we were only within a couple points. We may have been tied around tied with just within a couple points. Um, but they came out and they held the ball at half court because we were playing his own. So they held the ball at half court, forcing us to come out, you know, and attempt somewhat of a man to man defense. Uh, so it was it was so exhilarating. I mean, a lot of the details are now fuzzy, but, um, you know, ultimately, I think it continued that way um, for the remainder of the half. They just kept holding the ball. You know, a lot of our fans were obviously booing. Um, you know, there's just a lot of details, that, you know, little yeah. details that kind of stick out because, you know, they're Division One recruits and they're holding the ball at half court against these girls from Ripley who are nobodies, um, essentially, but that year, I mean, in that team, um, reflected quite a few, uh, girls who ended up going and, and playing college ball. So, um, yeah, it was just,
0: well, and, and, and really, as did you, yeah. uh, you look at that, year for you and what it did that you go on to have one of the most decorated careers at Ripley high school as a lady Viking and, uh, kickstarted your opportunity to go into college and play where you, you, you know, had a great career, uh, and, uh, you, you went to two schools, correct. You finished at Fairmont. Yeah, so is that right? Or did you went to Fairmont, Fairmont state in 2009? Uh, and
7: I, you know, I ended up getting back to the, the civic center again, cause we, um, that's where we played our conference tournament. Um, in the Weviac at the time. And so that was, that was awesome to kind of get back there and, and relive some of those, those memories. Um, But, but yeah, I mean, that's that sophomore year was definitely one um, to remember Um, just a great team, uh, great coaches, just, just a great all around. Um, Yeah. I mean, it was just really great foundation to kind of, The next two years, unfortunately, some things shifted in the sections and regions and there were some really great teams. And unfortunately, we didn't we didn't quite make it back there. But that um, that 2003 season was definitely one to remember.
0: So tell the Viking fans what you're doing now. We hear your dad constantly (laughs) on the radio with me running his chops and everybody knows where he is. And we've heard from Cole a few times, but what's going on with you? Where are you at? I know you have a a young son Mm -hmm. now married, living in Fairmont area. So um, uh,
7: my husband and I, uh, Tom, we live in uh, Clarksburg and um. We have a little boy, Hudson. He'll be three in just a few few weeks, actually. It's just crazy how time flies by. And you said 17 years, and I'm like, wow. Um, It's just (laughs) hard to believe, really, um, how time flies. And so um, I've been in medical sales for really the last seven, eight years. Um, so I'm working for a hospice company currently, but, um, we are small business owners here in town. Um, and that keeps my husband busy. And of course myself as well, um, outside of my full-time job. So, um, we are, we've kind of got our roots here, but we try to get home to Ripley as, as much as we can to see grandparents. And of course, um, My my parents have Hudson and now, you know, Cole has a little boy and so we we try to spend as much time down there as we can. We don't get back nearly as much as we would like to, but um it will always be home and it definitely has a huge piece of my heart. So um
0: Does Hudson have a killer crossover? Okay, we're
7: working on it. We shoot hoops (laughs) in the basement quite a bit. We've already got um, you know, a hoop in the in the backyard here, so so, yeah, we're definitely starting him as, as soon as we can. But, um, yeah, he's hopefully going to be a little baller. He loves to shoot hoops with mom. So, so yeah. Well,
0: Kara, thank you, so, thank you so much for taking the time. I appreciate it catching up with the Viking fans. I'll be excited to hear uh, what you're doing and taking this uh, trip down memory lane. I, those are some good yeah, times. Yeah,
7: absolutely. Totally miss it. Wish we could go back some days, but um, wouldn't change it for the world. So, thanks so much for having me, guys. As
0: always, thanks for joining us for this episode of Viking 360. Stay with us next week. Hopefully we'll have more updates on uh, what the springs slash winter sports are going to look like uh, as we uh, look toward the next few weeks. It's
1: going to be fun again. Get back out in the gym again and see some uh, basketball and
0: wrestling action. And hopefully with fans. Thanks for listening. Remember, for all the news on the blue, go anywhere you can find podcasts, search Viking 360, hit the subscribe button, and turn on your notifications.